Well, welcome back to the second last week of our sermon series, The Seven Deadly Sins, as today we're going to talk about the touchy subject of greed. And I think it's safe to say that no one really likes to talk about greed, but it's something that affects every person in this room. Whether you have lots of money or not so much money, greed is something that uh, it's inside of each one of our hearts. But do you ever notice how in the business world, there's this uh, principle that we have where you can ask someone what job they work at, but you can't ask them uh, how much money they make. You know how it's unpolite to ask someone how much money you make, you just, that's just something you don't do. But do you ever wish that that's how the church operated as well? Where you, you have the church, and the church talks about Jesus, um, but the business world talks about money. And you, you should just keep the two separated. The church talks about Jesus, the business world talks about money, and the church shouldn't talk about money. Uh, but the interesting thing is that uh, Jesus has a lot to say about money because he knows how uh, uh, powerful it is in our life and how dangerous greed can be, how it hurts our marriages, our families, our relationships. But I think there's so many people out there that they want to be able to serve God but not listen to what God has to say about our money. Where you say, I I'll go to church, I'll go to church on Sunday, um, I'll sing the songs, I'll, I'll listen to the sermon, um, but I'm not going to participate when you pass around the offering plate. Or you say, I'll believe in Jesus, but as long as that doesn't have to do with uh, Jesus saying that I have to give away my money. Sure, I'll get baptized, but do you mind if I take my wallet out first? Where you have this idea that uh, you follow Jesus, but you don't listen to what Jesus has to say about our money. Um, but I think you might find it interesting that in the Gospels, money is a topic that Jesus talks about more than just about anything else. It shows up in his teachings all the times, in all of his parables. Uh, there are lots of references to money and how we should use our money. And I think the reason why Jesus talks about money so much is because he knows uh, what a hold it is on our hearts. He knows how this is something that so many people struggle with, um, and it's out there and can damage your relationship with God. He knows how uh, greed can, can cause destruction in our families, in our marriages, in our jobs. He knows how greed can hurt your relationship with God, and it can pull you away from him. So instead, he says, I'm going to talk about money a lot. So whether you uh, consider yourself poor or you consider yourself rich or somewhere in between, uh, greed is something that each person in this room at some point in their life struggles with. So that's why we need to hear what Jesus has to say about money. He's going to say that you can't, you can't do that, or you can't uh, follow Jesus and not follow what he has to say about money. He says that's, that's something you can't do. There are only two paths in life. You can follow God or you can follow money. You can't do both. So let's hear what Jesus has to say. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus, he's going to present those two paths out there for us, of one way of following God and one way of following earthly possessions. And he starts off by talking about how earthly possessions aren't as good as heavenly treasures because earthly possessions, they break. They get destroyed. There's, there's moths and rust comes in and things decay or the clothes deteriorate. Um, but that's not true for heavenly treasures. Think about that, about how things decay and break in this world. Um, you get a new car and it has that great new car smell. But that new car smell does not last forever. 
eventually that new car smells like teenager, or pet, or family, or winter. My guess is there are some cars out there that still have wet mats from this last winter inside your car. And that it just shows that it doesn't last forever. A new car smell eventually gets old and fades away. And he also warns us about thieves. Because do you notice how as soon as you get something new, that's when the paranoia sets in as well for protecting that new thing? When you used to drive an old beater, uh, you would go to Walmart, leave the doors unlocked, and say, someone please steal my car. But no one ever would. But as soon as you get that new car, that's when you, you lock it, and you walk into Walmart, and then halfway through shopping, you have that stomach drop feeling, and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, did I lock my car? And you go out to the parking lot, and you double check, yes, I did, in fact, lock my car. Um, because that's, that's how earthly things are. They break, they get stolen, um, and they don't last forever. So Jesus, he puts that out there. He says that about earthly goods. But right away, then on the flip side, he talks about how that doesn't apply to heavenly treasures. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So our heavenly treasures, we, have, we know that we have new life in Jesus, a hope of salvation, the forgiveness of sins. And that gift is something that moths and rust cannot get at. No one can steal that. They are protected safely in heaven. The God of the universe who created the world and created all things is keeping the heavenly treasures safe and secure for you. But even though we know that, even though we know that heavenly treasures are better than earthly goods, uh, do you ever catch yourself worrying more about the things in this world than your heavenly treasures? There was a beach in California that I recently learned about that every single year they have a sandcastle competition where uh, they have all sorts of artists come in and they have a competition to see who can build the greatest sandcastle. And as you can see at this one, it's, it's pretty eloquent. You know, a lot of detail goes into that. You can picture someone getting out their pail and shovel and sculpting away at this sandcastle. Um, and there are some other impressive ones I liked too. Um, this one, I mean, uh, an exact replica of Hogwarts Castle from Harry Potter. That, that's pretty impressive that someone could build that uh, with sand. And then uh, you got this one here too, which is a little more out there, an angry cat sandcastle. I mean, who, who wouldn't like that, an angry cat sandcastle? People um, are creative. They, they do wonderful things with these sandcastle arts. But you know what? The thing about sandcastles is I don't care how eloquent or how big it is. I don't care if it's very eloquently designed or if it's just a, a pile that a child made. At the end of the day, the waves still come in and will destroy every sandcastle on the beach, whether it's a big one or a small one. Whether there's lots of detail to it or no detail at all, eventually the tide will rise and every sandcastle will be destroyed. And that, my friends, is what a picture of what greed does. Greed is building sandcastles. It's so easy in this world to collect earthly goods and to build your sandcastle. And you might look at someone else and say, wow, do you see their sandcastle? It costs $1.2 million. Their sandcastle has a brand new driveway for their brand new car. Well, you know what? Uh, my sandcastle, it comes with a retirement plan, and so I'm better than your sandcastle in that way. 
and we spend all this time focusing on our earthly goods and comparing and trying to get more and more and more and build your big old sandcastle. But you know what? Eventually, they will all be destroyed. Every earthly good that you see, your house, all your stuff, will be destroyed, and every single person will die. That's something we need to get across our heads, that there are earthly goods, and they're good right now, but they're not going to last forever. And that's just so different from heavenly treasures, about how heavenly treasures last forever, but it's so easy to focus on the earthly things because you see the earthly things. You, you interact, you touch the earthly things every single day, and you end up catching yourself more focused on that than you do heavenly treasures, right? Um, but that's when Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when you first read that passage, it almost sounds like you should be saying, hey, Jesus, I think you got it, you got it reversed, where it should, it should say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Because we talk about at Christmas about how you give from the heart, right? The, the more love that you have for that person, the bigger treasure you give them as a present, right? Um, but Jesus is saying the opposite of that. He's saying that how you use your earthly goods here, how you use your earthly treasures is a gauge that shows what's going on in your heart. Meaning, if you are spending all of your time and energy and money uh, building your kingdom here and spending all of your money just solely on yourself, um, that's going to show your selfish heart. On the flip side, though, if you're spending your money to uh, share the gospel, to give to church, give to charity, um, that's going to show what's something that's in your heart as well. It's a gauge showing where your heart is at of how you use your earthly things. So how's that going for you? I know as uh, if you consider yourself a Christian, you'll say, uh, yes, I care more about heavenly treasures than I do earthly treasures. Check. What else you got? Um, but then let me ask you this. Does your bank account reflect that? If you looked at your bank account, would it look any different than that of an unbeliever? If you looked at how you're using your money, would it show that you are investing in heavenly treasures? Or then let me ask you this. Does your calendar reflect that? If you looked at everything that you had going on in your life, the way you use your time, um, would it show that you're investing in heavenly treasures or are you only focused on building your earthly sandcastle? Does the thing, the ways that you use your time, the events that you go to, is that helping build up a heavenly kingdom or just an earthly treasure? And Jesus, he's going to give us a picture of this. He's going to give us a picture showing where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He's going to show how that is played out. And he says this, he says, um, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what's going on here? Kind of sounds like something that a philosophy class should be chewing over, some type of riddle or something like that. It's, a, it's hard. You got, there's light and dark, and so it's a tough passage to understand. Um, but really what's going on here is that Jesus is just giving us a metaphor describing the last passage, the last passage of where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So he gives this metaphor, and here it is. If you have good eyes, um, that's going to affect your whole body. 
If you can see the light, you're going to be able to walk through life seeing the light, no problem. Um, but on the flip side, if your eyes don't work, that's going to affect your whole life as well, your whole body. You're going to be stumbling around in the dark through life. And the comparison is, um, that's the picture of what it's like to use your stuff. If you're using your earthly possessions in a way that's investing in heavenly treasures, um, that's going to be um, eye-opening to you. You're going to be able to know the true path of life, that this world isn't about money, it isn't about collecting stuff, but it's about God instead. But if you don't know that, you are going to be stumbling through life. It is like your whole life is dark and your eyes do not work. You're going to be stumbling through life thinking this whole world is about how much stuff I get and not about God. And that doesn't work. That's the picture here. That's what, that's what he's saying, that you can't, um, just as how your eyes cause your whole body to have problems if you can't see, well, if you don't have this lesson figured out about how it's about heaven, not earthly treasures, well, then your whole life is going to be like walking through the dark. That's the picture here. And then Jesus makes it very clear um, that you can only have two paths in life. You can't do both. You can't care wholly on making more money or serving God. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. So he's talking out here that there, there are two masters in life, and you can't work for both of them. I know some of you out there, you might be part of some large corporation that you might have lots of bosses on top of you, kind of like a hierarchy of bosses, and you may report to more than one person. But that's not the picture Jesus is giving. He's saying there are two masters, and they both have differing viewpoints. And he lays them out for us. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God, and you can't serve money at the same time. There is only one path in life you can take, and it can't be by going down both of them of trying to serve both God and money. And serving God above all else means you serve God above all else. That doesn't mean that money is more important than God. You can't live that way. Um, something in your heart is going to show and indicate to you that you are either serving God or you are serving money. You can only go down these two paths. So you have the two options. Which one are you going to take? Point number two, money is a good tool, but a terrible master. Money is a good thing that God gives us, and we can use it in so many different ways. But if you let that be your master of your life, it is a terrible master. And one main reason for that is because if you're serving money as your master, you are never going to have enough money. Your day of working will will never end because you will never have enough money. Um, money is one of those things where you're never going to be able to go to your bank account and say, that number says it's all done. I have all the money the bank can hold. You're never going to get to that point. And that's one reason why money is a terrible master because you never have enough. And you know who figured that out? Uh, the great theologian named Bob Marley. Uh, this, this is what... Uh, Bob Marley figured this out. This is what he said. Money is numbers, and numbers never end. If it takes money to be happy, your search for happiness will never end. Since money is a, a number that never ends, if your search for happiness depends on that number, you're never going to get there. That's what he's saying here. 
Um, but isn't that uh, such an easy lie to believe? That you tell yourself, if I, just had, if I just had more, then my happiness would be more. But it doesn't work out like that. Maybe you've, ex you've experienced that before. I've certainly experienced that in my own life as well. Um, some of you might laugh at this. But there are days where I catch myself daydreaming about getting a pastor's salary. It's something I do, and uh, the reason why is because, you know, I'm still a student, and I look forward to the day that I don't have to pay tuition, I don't have to uh, pay student loans anymore, and I get to a point where I have more money, and in my head I say uh, I might have more freedom with that, a little more uh, options I can do with my money. But my guess is, God willing, someday I will get to that point in my life where I will get that pastor's paycheck. But my guess is, I'm not going to go, I finally arrived. I have everything I need. I got the pastor's salary. I need no more in life. I've talked to more than enough pastors to realize that that's not how life works. Um, but in the same way, that's something I tell myself. If I had more money, then, then I'll have more happiness. Maybe you've experienced that as well. Maybe if you remember back to when you were my age and you're still waiting to get your good job, and then you got a good job and you made more money, and to this day, are you like, I'm done? Or are you still telling yourself, I need to get a little bit more so that I can get ahead? Um, money is a terrible master. It's, it's nothing that you can ever master because that's what money does to you. It says you never have enough. You never um, have enough. You need more and more and more. It's a terrible master. It's a good tool, but it's a terrible master. So Jesus, he's, he's pointing that out to us, that you really have two paths in life, and one life is following money. And it's a terrible master. There's two paths in life. You can either build your sandcastle or you can follow Jesus. It's a fork in a road. You can't go down both. But Jesus takes the time to talk about how one path is so much better. Money is a terrible master. Look at, look at what that, that life involves. It's about chasing after things that decay, that don't last forever. They're temporary. Um, it tells you that you never have enough in life. And it leads to death. It leads to death eternally because you are trusting in money more than you are trusting in God. That's the path of greed. That's the path of building a sandcastle. It's marked by collecting things that are just going to break and that you're not even going to remember. But the path of following heavenly treasures is different. It's marked by something that is secure, something that can never be taken away from you. It's something that lasts forever. It's something that gives you true contentment in life. It's the thing that's not a master over your life. It's something that gives contentment. And it leads to life eternally. So what path do you want to go down? It's easy to stray and go back and forth, but the answer is easy. Point number three, heavenly treasures are greater than earthly treasures. Heavenly treasures are greater than earthly treasures for so many different reasons. We'll talk about how they last forever, they don't break, they don't get destroyed, um, but heavenly treasures are greater than earthly treasures, but possibly the best reason why is the way how they were earned for you. Jesus, who had all heavenly riches, made an investment. He made an investment in someone who any stockbroker would say, don't make that investment, it's a terrible financial decision. But Jesus invested and you. He invested in people that hated him and our poor, wretched sinners. But Jesus invested in us. He invested in you. And he did that by laying aside his heavenly treasures 
and coming to this world and not collecting earthly treasures. Jesus barely owned anything throughout his life and he died on the cross, a death of a poor man, where he shed his precious blood to make a payment for all the sins that we've ever committed. Jesus cared more about gaining heavenly treasures for you than collecting earthly treasures in the life he was here. Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that poor sinners like us could be rich forever. Jesus, who was infinitely rich, laid aside his riches so that one day we could be infinitely rich. Jesus did that for us. And he did that so that we could have the gift of heaven. And knowing that we have the gift of heaven, that is going to be the thing that changes how you use your money. It's going to be the thing that leads us to invest in heavenly treasures instead of earthly treasures. And there are many different ways how you do that, how you invest in heavenly treasures instead of earthly treasures. And one way to do that is by how you use your money. It's by being a good steward, a good manager of the things that God has given you in this life. And one major way how to do that is to give, to give to the church. And I know when I said that, there are some people in this room who are very skeptical of that, how you think that the church is just about getting money or something like that. Um, But let me explain it to you like this. Imagine a father took his little daughter to McDonald's and he bought her a Happy Meal. And they were sitting down together and he says, hey, could I have some french fries? And the little girl goes, no, mine. And the father goes, what gives? You don't even have money. You are four years old. You don't even have money. How, how can you say no to something that I gave you? And that's the picture of what greed does to us. We get the idea that everything is mine. But really, everything comes from God. And by asking for some of that back, it shows our thankful heart for all the things that God has done for us. It shows that we trust our good, good father, that he's going to take care of us regardless of how much money he has. Jesus is the one who gave us everything, and now we give back out of thanks for him. We give back because we know that heavenly treasures are better than earthly treasures. Heavenly treasures are better than earthly treasures, so that's why we give back. That's how we use our money differently than the rest of the world, to let our light shine, to show our thankfulness to our Father for all that he has given us. One day, your new car won't be new anymore but you can rejoice in the new life that you have in Jesus. One day your house will be destroyed, but your heavenly mansion will last forever. One day all of your clothes will deteriorate, but you will wear a robe of righteousness forever. One day all of your money and currency will come to an end, but the rubies and gold in heaven will continue to sparkle. One day your iPhone and television screens will all break and become outdated, but you will never stop staring at the beauty of Jesus in heaven. One day your sandcastle and everyone else's will wash away, but your eternal home will never fall apart. One day all of your earthly riches will be destroyed, but your heavenly riches will last forever. Heavenly treasures are greater than earthly treasures. So can we live like that? Can we make decisions to invest in heavenly treasures instead of earthly treasures? Can we give, can we let our money be different than how anyone else uses money? Not because we have to, but to show the thanks that we have for our God, who's given us every good thing that we own now, 
but even the greater treasures that are still waiting for us in heaven. I know this is hard. I know it's a hard thing to do to give away money, but we do this all in Jesus' name, and he is the one who gives us the strength to do so. Amen.